welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. Stay a while because we got another packed episode coming your way. On this episode, Bilal and I will discuss Julian Edelman's retirement. We will also discuss which NBA teams are contenders and pretenders thus far with just a month left in the NBA regular season. We also broke down ESPN's top 25 under 25 NBA players list and we also talked NFL offseason grades thus far with just under two weeks left until the NFL draft. And of course, don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And welcome back to Baller Island. Jay Sahoda alongside Bilal Lahi. You know the drill by now. Back at it for another episode on the island. B, what's happening? It's a new era in New England with the news of Julian Edelman. How you feeling? Man, it hurts. It stings. Julian Edelman. That's my my favorite players ever. It stings, man, especially coming right after an emotional week for me as a Tar Heel fan last week. Roy Williams retiring now as Julian Edelman. What a week, man. What a two weeks. Absolutely. Definitely feel you on that. I know I dealt with that back in 2015 as a Niners fan when Patrick Willis and Frank Gore left the Niners in the span of two months. That was pretty crazy. But the future is definitely in sight for North Carolina and New England. And those are two you know, historic teams in their respective leagues. But yeah, we, with Julian Edelman gone, and we'll, and we'll start with him to kick off the episode. And it's definitely a new era in Foxborough. We will also get to Jamal Murray and the injury news for him and how that will impact the rest of the Western Conference and the Denver Nuggets playoff chances. We will also discuss the NBA contenders and pretenders heading in with just a month to go until the NBA playoffs kick off in May. And we will also get to NFL offseason grades thus far. So back to Julian Edelman. Obviously, we talked about him now, and we'll get to more on Edelman. But man, what a career. Obviously, he wasn't healthy last season. But man, I mean, you being a Patriots fan, I'll let you take this one on Julian Edelman. But what a career for him, really. I'm actually curious. I mean, I know everybody that's a Patriots fan knows exactly what I'm feeling right now, but I'm actually curious to what you say first from the outsider, not not the biased opinion. Uh, Julian Edelman was a huge part of what the Patriots were able to do over the last few years. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, he was definitely one of Tom Brady's top targets. Like when you think and Tom Brady has had so many important players and same with Bill Belichick there's been so many guys that have come through those last 20 years but Julian Edelman was there for what 11 12 years like he was there for a long time and he was the wide receiver one for a long time too and this is a team that has had wide receivers of Randy Moss Wes Welker Dion Branch and of course Julian Edelman so there's a lot of guys that have come through those doors but what Julian Edelman he made a big impact, and I think, I think Wes Welker kind of started it with really making a name for slot receivers, and I think Julian Edelman really took that on, and he ended up becoming one of the best wide receivers in football during his time. You know, not saying he was up there with some of the big guys. Obviously, he's not the biggest guy either, but 
he came out every year. He was one of Brady's top targets every year. And he will also forever be remembered for that catch in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons late in that game. You know, everyone, not just Patriot fans, but everyone will remember that play. So, you know, Julian Edelman for me was, you know, one of the top Patriots that I'll remember coming out of that incredible 20 years of that dynasty. Yeah. No, he's outside of Tom Brady. He's my favorite player. I love me, my guys that are like just odd stacked against them, grinded out to the top. Dude was a seventh round pick, for God's sakes. Drafted as a quarterback. Man played Juco, then played at Kent State. He went through every turn he could and he just grinded it out. And another thing I think gets unnoticed is that when Wes Welker left, he was the guy. The Patriots, like, Wes Welker was certified. And when he left, Julian Edelman filled his shoes, and he did a good job after what we thought was going to be like, oh, my God, what do we do now? And, yeah, he's had some big moments, tough as nails, clutch as hell. Anytime he would go, he he just wanted to win, and that's, that's what's something I can respect. And it sucks now. His injuries are finally catching up with him. But that's what happens when you give – as much as he did to the game, you know, it's just, it sucks that it had to end this way. But yeah, like you said, the Atlanta catch, the throw against Baltimore in the AFC championship game to Amendola. Those are two of my favorite playoff moments ever. Obviously with the Malcolm Butler interception as well, but then. Oh, for sure. He had, he had other ones where like, even against Seattle and the Legion of Boom, he's coming across, gets absolutely mealed by Cam Chancer. Probably concussed the rest of the game, honestly. And and that was a huge first down. And then he ended up scoring the game when he touched down in that one, too. Every time you needed to show up, he did. And he's respected like crazy, loved by all Patriot fans. And great career, man. Great career. For real, I think you really, you really put that into good words. I mean, Julian Edelman was scrappy. He was gutty when he played. Like, he would play through anything. And, you know, that's... You know, something that you just respect the hell out of as a football fan and if you're just a fan of the game, period. But Julian Edelman, just a really, just an incredible career overall. Three, three-time three Super Bowl champion. He ranked second in receptions and fourth in receiving yards in New England Patriots franchise history. I mean, it was really some career for him. And he also ranked second in NFL history in postseason receptions and receiving yards behind only the GOAT, Jerry Rice. What a career yeah. for Julian Edelman. And of course, there is, you know, maybe the possibility that Julian Edelman comes out of retirement for a year and joins Tom Brady in Tampa. I've heard some rumors about that. Honestly, I would not be surprised if that for some whack reason happens, but I don't think it's going to happen. Nah. Yeah, I don't know if you watched his, his retirement video, but he was like, I always told myself I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off and, and the wheels fell off. So I'm calling it a career. And that that's sad to hear, man. That's sad to hear. His knees are shot. He was going to miss some more time this year as well after he just tore his ACL. And it's time to move on. It's sad now that that era is ending. I think there's only four players left from those teams. Um, James White and Dante Hightower and a few other guys. But yeah, Edelman, that, that's one of the last straws, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And definitely an end of an era in New England. And 
We'll see what Belichick can do now after that shopping spree in the offseason, but we'll get to that later on in this episode. But other breaking news in the sports world in terms of the NBA, big news out of Denver. Jamal Murray went down with a knee injury in yesterday's game against the Golden State Warriors, and it did not look pretty. Obviously, fearing the worst, you're expecting something along the lines of an ACL, MCL-type injury. And unfortunately, that is true. Jamal Murray is gone for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Man, you just hate to see that happen to a guy like Jamal Murray. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, and he, it sucks because he just came back too. I think that was his first game back or he played one game before that. And um, he went down towards ACL. And I think that – I mean, ACL is not what it used to be. But for somebody like Jamal Murray, who's only not even in the prime of his career yet, right, he's coming up. And now it takes oh, basically yeah. – this year and next year, because the season's going to end in April next year, basically, right? So it's a full year. So it's basically two years of Denver's championship window that's just gone now, which sucks for him, sucks for the team. I feel bad for Jamal Murray. I hope he gets well soon. And yeah, I don't know what else to say, man. It just sucks. It's awful. I don't know. I hate these injuries. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Yeah, no, injuries are absolutely brutal. And you just hate to see it to a guy like Jamal Murray, who had an absolutely excellent postseason last year in the bubble. And and I think you said it really well in terms of Denver's championship window. I mean, they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, this was a year that they're supposed to improve on that and try to get back to the Western Conference Finals and try to fight for a spot in the NBA Finals. And now you go down with, you know, your second best player aside from Nikola Jokic. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot on Jokic's plate now. And I think without Jamal Murray, that significantly hinders the opportunity for them. But, I mean, I had no idea Jamal. Jr. is going to have to step up now, too. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's going to have to step up for him. But, yeah, no, I had no idea he was missing time before that, too. That just makes it even worse for Denver fans. But I do recall you saying that Denver had a lot of injury issues early on in the season, and it took them some time to really get back into things. So that's really unfortunate. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think that especially – I mean, you never know with what's going on with the Lakers, but they're looking a little banged up, too, and – you're riding high. Michael Porter Jr. has gotten a lot better. Jokic is playing MVP basketball. And they had a shot. I mean, especially if the Lakers weren't going to be healthy. This could have been their year. Now they're going to have to wait another two years to see what they got in Jamal Murray. Sucks. Yeah, exactly. And you never know how players are going to be when they come off of an injury like that either. So that's definitely tough. But I think that segues kind of nicely into our next segment, which is obviously as there's a month from now until the NBA playoffs. So still a lot of ball left to go in the regular season. I'd say about 17, 18 games per team left in the regular season. But I guess this would be a pretty good time to kind of narrow down who we think is contenders or a pretender heading into the NBA playoffs with one month to go. And we'll start with the Eastern Conference. I think the obvious choice here is this is the Brooklyn Nets conference to lose how do you see it? If you were to pick right now, Brooklyn Nets or the field to make the NBA Finals? I'm getting less confident in the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know. I think they got too much stuff going on. I mean, Kyrie's missing his game today. KD just came back the other day. 
James Harden's out now with his hamstring. There's too much going on. I, I, it's a tough bet. If I were to bet on a team right now, I don't know. I actually don't know because I hate. I don't want to put my money on a team that's got three dudes that are a question mark. I'm totally with you on that. And and Brooklyn, that is the issue. And here's the thing about the Nets. And I'll start with Kyrie Irving. And I know Stephen A's been on his ass all year long about Kyrie's been missing games. And listen, I, you know, we don't know why the reason why Kyrie Irving's missing pretty much every other game is what it seems like. And he missed a lot of time, obviously, with injury. And now he's missing time with you know, we don't know what, and obviously I want to respect, and I think everyone should at least respect Kyrie Irving's space by, you know, whatever it is that he's dealing with, allow him to do that. But at some point in time, Stephen A is definitely right in the sense that you're trying to win a championship here. Like, Steve Nash did not come in here and take this job if a championship was not a stake. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love Steve Nash, right, home guy from Canada, right unreal player at phoenix you know when you and i were growing up he's one of the best players that we grew up watching but and i think he he probably would have became a coach eventually but there's no way in hell i think he takes this brooklyn nets job if you if you don't have a championship that's at stake because when you look at this position you're looking like wow okay we got kd we got kyrie and now there's rumors about getting james harden which ended up happening we got a shot to win this thing you look at the rest of the eastern conference and you're like there's no one that could beat us right now but now you get to the point where Kyrie Irving's missing games for we don't know what reason. And obviously, if it is some sort of family issue or whatever, that's totally understandable. But the thing is, we don't know what it is. So until we do know what it is, if we'll ever know what it is, you know, we're just going to sit here and be like, well, Kyrie's missing games for we don't know what reason. Right. And then you got Kevin Durant and I'll get to him in a second. And of course, James Harden's in and out. And I've listen, I love James Harden as a player. Incredible shooter. The guy's just an incredible talent overall, but I just do not think he is the guy to try and help you win a championship. And that's why I don't like the fact that he went to Brooklyn to do it. I don't like the fact that he did that because he couldn't do it in Houston and Houston had a gazillion chances to get to the NBA finals and they couldn't do it. So now he goes to Brooklyn and he teams up with Durant and Irving and obviously now they're the top team coming out of the East. And now we get to KD. I don't know if you heard this, But KD said the other day, I forgot what show or interview he was on, but he said something along the lines of, I'm not focused on championships, but I'm more focused on developing my game. Yeah. Before I finish my thought there, I just want to get your take on on what you think of that quote. Then why are you stacking your squad? That pisses me off. Like, first of all, you should be playing the game for championships. And like, he's trying to say, I think he's trying to say that because... People didn't treat his Golden State championships as real championships, which I completely understand. I mean, he went to a 73 and 19. Kevin Durant bugs me a little bit because it really, he should be one of those dudes. He's so good. He's, he's, he could be, he's a top two player. LeBron are one and one and two to me, but he should not be at the point where he's, joining other dudes and asking other dudes to come. If championships don't matter, you would not be doing that, man. Just carry your squad, do what you got to do. You will play the game to win. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, you kind of just took the words out of my mouth there. I completely agree with you. That is the first thing that I took away from that quote is, you are Kevin Durant. 
You're supposed to be out here winning championships. And this is exactly why it doesn't matter how many people, and I know it's a different sport, but I don't care how many people don't like Tom Brady. This is why he's the greatest of all time, undisputed, at least in my opinion, probably in your opinion too. Because he doesn't give a crap about any of that other stuff. He just cares about winning championships. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about the money. Obviously, he cares about developing his game. I mean, for God's sakes, he's 43 years old doing what he's doing. But he's also focused on winning championships. The better answer, if I was Kevin Durant, would have been, I'm focused on winning a championship for Brooklyn and also developing my game. Don't be like, I'm not really focused on winning championships. Then why are you playing in the NBA? Why are you playing in the NBA that all these guys dream of winning a championship? And you and here you are sitting saying, yeah, I just care about developing my game. I get it. Of course, you, any yeah, this, NBA, this ain't any Pop athlete, Warner football, bro. This ain't Pop Warner football. You don't play for that anymore. This is like you develop yes. your game to win championships. Exactly. There you go. And that's the other thing, too, is. If you're so concerned about about developing your game, then why don't you go play for like Orlando or Cleveland where you can go develop your game all you want and you don't have to care about winning championships. But it doesn't seem like he's concerned about winning championships. And that that also pisses me off too. Because it's like, here you are, you have an unbelievable team and here you are saying, yeah, I'm not concerned about winning championships. I don't know. It's absolute BS to me. And this is exactly why I don't like Brooklyn and I don't want them to make the NBA Finals. Because they just doesn't seem like they're taking the season seriously in a season that it's honestly their the conference air. to lose. All up in the air. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and it's it's my it's mind boggling to me. Yeah, and I hate like I think the three of them have played five games together, and it's kind of like yeah, whatever. It's the regular season, whatever. We're not gonna play, but like teams like that should not get rewarded. Like, I don't, like... Oh, absolutely. I, I get it, you're coasting in the playoffs, but, like, to me, like, if you're a dude like LeBron, you did, you, you were, you've earned that right to coast during the playoffs. But dudes like Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant, they don't have the right yet. They don't have that right yet. Especially if they've never played together. There's no chemistry there. On the Lakers, whatever you've are, you just won the championship last year. There's lots of continuity. They know how to play each other. I think there's a switch that can be turned on. I think there's a switch that can be turned on in Brooklyn, but it, I just don't like that brand of basketball being rewarded. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't see you know Kawhi Leonard going and talking about you know developing his game. He's also a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries too. But you don't hear him going around saying, yeah, I care about developing games. No, if you ask him a question, be like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm here to win a championship. Like, that's what these great players do. And guess what? Kawhi Leonard's won too. LeBron has won multiple. And they've done it by themselves. I know Kawhi and San Antonio played with an absolutely incredible team filled with Hall of Famers. And then you go to Toronto with a lot of guys that no, pro- were really good, really good supporting cast. But Kawhi Leonard was the missing link to take that really good supporting cast to the NBA Finals. But he still did it. LeBron has pretty much made the NBA Finals almost every single year for the last decade except for one. And that was because he was out for half the year. Sure, he needs some help. But that's that's the way the NBA is these days is you need a little bit of help where you need one or two superstars. Or in, like in the Raptors sense, you really you need to have a really, really good supporting cast. And then you have your superstar. Yeah, I don't know but if either you thought- way... Yeah, go finish your shot. Yeah, my bad. 
No, no, all good. I was just saying, like, you need to, the way that the NBA is now, you need to be like that. And for these guys, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, back to your point, I agree. They don't deserve to act like that because, yeah, Kyrie, sure, came up with a really, really clutch shot that will be remembered in Cleveland Cavaliers history, but he played with LeBron. And now, if he took Boston to an NBA championship, I'd put a little more respect on Kyrie Irving's name. If James Harden took Houston to an NBA Finals, they didn't even have to win, by the way. I'm just saying get to the NBA Finals. I would put a little more respect on his name. And if Kevin Durant took OKC or someone else, not playing with the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history and another absolutely incredible, maybe even a future Hall of Famer in Klay Thompson on your side, I would have a little more respect for you then. But I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he caught this the other day, but Reggie Miller was asked, he's like, yo, if Michael Jordan was recruiting you and told you to come to Chicago, would you have done it? It's like, hell no. I would have told him to F off. I mean, that's the league it was then. I missed the league like that. I missed the league where every team's got their dude and whoever's dude is better wins a championship. I hate this jumping around, jumping on different teams, all this bull crap. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I 100% agree. It just takes away the competitive, you know, the man. whole aspect of exactly, exactly. And it just makes me not want to watch the NBA playoffs. Like, I just don't really care to watch it. But all, all this Brooklyn Nets talk, <laughs> who else in the East do we think could take them down? I personally like the Philadelphia 76ers out. If Harden, Durant, and, and Kyrie, obviously we know the talent that they have. If they're on the floor, no, I don't think anyone can beat them. But the Sixers can do it. And a lot of the reason that their record is the way that it is right now, sitting in first place, is because of Doc Rivers, your guy. right? Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in, in all of basketball. And that's one of the top reasons why I would trust Philly in the NBA playoffs because they got a really good head coach. They got a decent talent. But they have a really great head coach. The other team I'd say in here, I like Milwaukee, but I can't take them seriously yet because every time they've gotten there, they've choked. And then Miami and Boston, I feel like, are sleeper contenders. I feel like both, if they get hot at the right time, they can. Atlanta, Charlotte, New York, some of those other teams, I feel like are just too young right now to compete. But this will be really good experience for them in the postseason this year. Yeah, I... Every team, I think, has got a question mark. So Brooklyn, we touched on a bunch. It's just like, who's going to be available is their question mark. But Philly, I like how Philly plays defense. I like how they can match up with Brooklyn. You got Ben Simmons on either Harden or or Kyrie. And Ben Simmons, I think, should be Defensive Player of the Year this year. Then we got Matisse Thybul on the other one, who's an amazing defender. And then... Joel Embiid's a problem for Brooklyn. So I think that's a decent matchup, actually. They match up pretty well against Brooklyn. But the thing is, for Philly, is I'm, I actually like Ben Simmons. I'm a Ben Simmons fan, but I don't he I don't trust him in the playoffs. He's got – when the game slows down Agreed. and there's no transition, it's going to be tough for him to score and tough for him to play, make plays. They're going to sag off him. They're going to play zone on him, and it's going to be four on five on offense. And I don't think you can win like that. Milwaukee, I kind of like Milwaukee this year. I think they got some good defense as well. I think Drew Holiday now playing really well. Chris Middleton is having a really good year. But like you said, it's the same story with Milwaukee. Like You can't really exactly until they prove to exactly that they can make a run. 
And I agree with your other two. Yep, Miami exactly. Boston. If Miami gets hot, we saw what they did last year. I think they're starting to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Start, I think they're starting to figure it out. Oladipo starting to mesh. That might be a scary team to watch. And Boston, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll we'll see what happens. And obviously, you got to take into consideration what exactly the home court advantage is going to be like this year, knowing some home courts have a crowd and others don't. And I think that's going to be really interesting opposed to last year. It was yeah. just one neutral court, straight up, five on five. And I think that, that really made the competitive... It, no, last year in the bubble really made the competitive level like 50 times better to watch. Like... Personally, I think that was one of the best NBA NBA playoffs I have watched in a really, really long no. time from first round all the way to the NBA Finals. Although the NBA Finals was okay, but Hold the on. NBA playoffs in general to were me, a lot of fun. To me, it's like if you're the, – the only way – like you have to succeed in the bubble, you have to be like – I my pick for last year in the bubble was Kawhi actually and the Clippers because I thought Kawhi was built for that type of environment. And LeBron is too, so LeBron won. But, I mean, like, the bubble ain't for, for these young dudes or for these mentally weak guys. You got to – it's like it's like an army over there. Like, you got to become prepared, stupid mentally tough. If you're going to stay there for three months, any, day in, day out in a hotel without your families, like, you got to be stupid mentally tough for that. Yep. But, um, yeah, I think the, the yep. home crowd favors some of these younger teams, like, I think Boston needs its crowd. Philadelphia needs its crowd. Milwaukee needs its crowd. Um, Atlanta, Charlotte, like all these teams, they need their crowd. All the teams, man. Every team, every team needs it. And honestly, like I know, like in terms of like the Raps, the chances, I don't think, I don't think playoffs is in their sights this year. Obviously there's the play-in factor, but speaking of home crowds, I think that's been a significant factor. Obviously in general, sure, they don't have the greatest team this year in, in terms of depth. But, oh my God, playing in Tampa Bay opposed to a packed Scotiabank Arena, I think has played a significant factor. So all of these teams together, home court is a really big, it's a really big difference factor, especially in the playoffs. But back to your point, in terms of home crowd, the thing that I was saying was some home crowds might not be there, right? It really just depends on what the state of the pandemic is in the city. So that's something to keep an eye out. But the East is, again, fairly wide open, really interesting. I'm also rooting for the Bucks. I've always liked Giannis. I've had <laughs> to hate them in the past few years when the Raps have been in the playoffs, but I, I really have always liked Giannis, and I, I, I'm rooting for Milwaukee this year. I hope that they do good. And same thing with Philadelphia. They've always been there. You know, Can this be the year that they make the leap? We'll have to see. Opposed to, on the other side, there's the Western Conference where it's jam-packed as always. And I think this is, even though the Lakers, absolutely. But even though the Lakers are without LeBron and AD right now, we know what they can do when they're healthy and they're sitting in the five spot currently. Is this also a situation where would you take the Lakers or the field in the Western Conference? Same story for me, man. It's like, I can't bet. I'm not worried about LeBron. He's like, what has he shown me over his last 18 years that this dude doesn't miss time like that? I'm actually worried about Anthony Davis. I don't, I've said it the set when he got hurt. I was like, yo, he's going to be a lot, out a lot longer than the two to four weeks they originally said. And he has. I'm worried about that. I don't know if he'll be totally healthy. But because of that, I'm actually, I'll take the field. 
I'll take the field. I just don't know who, but uh, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I think when LeBron and AD are there and they're healthy, I'm taking the Lakers all day. But with injuries in the mix there, LeBron's up there in age, and you're right, AD is fairly injury prone once in a while. No, the Western Conference is silly stacked, and I don't think the Lakers will be able to do much damage if neither of those guys are available or even if only one of those guys yeah. is available. LeBron can only do so yeah. much. Would I take LeBron over, like, majority of this Western Conference? Absolutely. I don't care. I'll take the team that has LeBron James, the greatest player of our generation, any day of the week. But health is a massive deal. And you look at some of these teams in the West that are young – they are really talented. I love what the Utah Jazz are doing. And they've been in the playoffs the last few years. This is going to be interesting. Is this the year that they can take the lead? Are you calling Utah a, to a contender? Get... I, oh, I think they're a contender for sure. I, I think they, they can definitely make the Western Conference Finals. The no, question no, 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 is, no, no. depending on contender. who they play. Can they make the Finals? That's a tough one right now. I I I don't I'm not gonna say NBA Finals right now. I think Western Conference Finals they're seeding. Can right Phoenix now. make the NBA Finals? No, and my only reason for that is because they're still fairly young, opposed to Chris Paul. Okay, I think Phoenix can make the finals. I don't believe in Utah. I think Phoenix, if like the Lakers aren't the Lakers, I think Chris Paul is the type of dude that will dog the Clippers, and I think. The Rondo pickup for the Clippers is exactly what the Clippers needed. But we saw what happened to the Clippers last year. I mean, if they lose early again and the Lakers are wherever the Lakers are, Phoenix is my pick out of those. the rest, honestly. And I can see both of those happening. So, You know what? I, I don't blame you for saying that. Again, my thing is just playing in the playoffs, you know, Again, it takes a lot of grit and a lot of fight. And Phoenix is still primarily young, which is why I'm tentative to say that they're a championship contender because a lot of those guys haven't been there yet, right? But Chris Paul has obviously been there and done that multiple times. But I'll tell you this. If CP3 helps Phoenix, who hasn't been to the playoffs in God knows how long, and make a deep playoff run, that would say a lot about Chris Paul. And even I think last season, said a lot about Chris Paul. says a lot about him. Oh, absolutely. 38 and 15. You got to be kidding me. Phoenix has been in the literally in the gutter for the last God knows how long in the Western Conference. They've been in the lottery for the last like 10 years. And now they're sitting in second place at 38 and 15 is just simply incredible. Chris Paul's always been one of my favorite players just from the actual like basketball players. But then the guy he is off the court is just and we talk know, about dudes. There's a lot yeah, to like. And about we talk it. about dudes that are competitive. He's one of them. Chris Paul's mad competitive. The guy has that inner dog in him. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm definitely rooting for Phoenix. I'll tell you that much. I'm definitely rooting for Phoenix in the West. But again, I'm, I'm worried about the youth factor. Now, Devin Booker, that guy's a gamer. A gamer. And if he and Chris Paul both have good days, oh, Lord. That's, that, that's going to be something else in there. And again, we talked about Denver. I think without yeah, Jamal I Murray, think I, I think they definitely... They definitely missed a really good opportunity at making some noise. And, and that leaves us with the, with the interesting team here. And I know Dallas is another team that I think can make a little bit of damage in there nah. too. But the Portland Trailblazers. Portland seems to be the one team every goddamn year that we're like, they got the talent, but they always disappoint every year. 
Yeah, part of it's just luck, unlucky, I think. Last year, um, CJ got hurt. Then Nurkic was hurt. They're, they're always hurt. One of those two are hurt, or Cantor was hurt the year before with his dislocated shoulder. Portland just can't catch a break, but I think they always do have the talent. I think Powell has fit in pretty nice, actually, with them, but I still like Gary Trent for them. That that trade just worked out for it both did, sides. Yeah, it really did. But yeah, Portland, they can make noise. Talk. Damian Lillard's a gamer, and I think Damian Lillard will be ready for whoever he's up against. I think, honestly, he'll be the best point guard in, on the west side come playoff time if, if Golden State doesn't make it. Absolutely. I, I cannot deny that. I mean, I love Damian Lillard. The guy's just so much fun to watch, and I, I think you hit on it pretty good. Is They're always dealing with something on the injury front, and they were rolling in red hot into the NBA playoffs last year until exactly once they got into that first round, it just seems yeah. like the dominoes just he fell was with a fraction in terms of injuries. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was a mess for them. And yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of it has been unlucky, but I mean, if the playoffs ended today, I mean, it's looking like Portland, listen, I think if I'm Portland, I would want to sit in a four or five matchup or a, a, a five, four matchup rather with Denver, if I'm Portland, that's the matchup that I would want in the first mm-hmm. round because they got if they got to play the Clippers, I th- honestly I think if Portland's fully healthy, they could they could beat the Clippers. But then if you keep falling, you got to play Phoenix or Utah, and I don't know about Whoa, that. What? Portland Phoenix would be a really fun. You're series. telling me you would rather play the Clippers over Phoenix or Utah? No, no, no. I'm saying. If you fall, it's a harder matchup if you play Utah or Phoenix. Yes, yeah, harder. Than I'm saying the-, the ideal matchup is to play Denver. So, yes, yeah, so yeah. The Clippers is easier matchup than Phoenix and Utah. I somewhat think so. Well, let me ask you a question: Which backcourt are you taking come playoff time? Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, or Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah, I just Chris Paul's leadership and his finesse with Devin Booker's talent. It's just I, that's an unbelievable combination. I know Dame and CJ are are dogs, but Chris Paul is one of the best in the business, and Devin Booker is is on track to do that. I would take them definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough call for me. I think I might go the other way on that. Yeah, fair. I mean, again, Dame and CJ are really like they are more than capable of both dropping 30 each in a playoff game. And they've done it before, but that's what I'm saying. Like if Portland for some random reason fell to the seventh seed and played Phoenix in the first round, and they, they could potentially play in the second round too. If, if the seedings fell that way, I think would just be a super, be, super entertaining yeah. series all around. But again, there's a month to go. Of course, there's the play in tournament factor too, which I think we'll talk about closer to the NBA playoffs, but there's, there's a lot to get to, and it's going to be very interesting. The West is always going to be fun. I think from the first round, really every series is going to be entertaining in the West. And then in the East, it's really, who is it? Is it going to be Brooklyn or the field? But we got a month to talk about that. And before we get to the NFL, let's take a quick glance at obviously ESPN came out with a list with the top 25 players that are under the age of 25 and we'll start with the top 10. We're only going to go through the top 10. Luka Doncic was ranked number one, followed by Zion Williamson, LaMelo Ball, Donovan Mitchell, 
Jason Tatum, Darren Fox, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, Bam Adebayo, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander as your top 10. What do you feel about that? Luka is easily the best player on this list. Easily will be the best player on this list. If you don't have Luka on your number, number one, then I don't know what to say. Dude's an FUB candidate already. Zion number two, I'm not mad about. The one thing that I'm pretty mad about, honestly, is Lamelo being this high. I'm a I, I'm a fan Agreed. of Lamelo. I like his style, but dude's played 30 games. How what like what have you seen in 30 games that makes you think he's going to be better than Devin Booker or Jason Tatum and Get Donovan Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell one in the West? Like you got to give those guys love before you give Lamelo love. Absolutely. That's that's exactly my first takeaway from that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Devin Booker are like the best player on their respective teams right now, and they're all balling out. And LaMelo, again, like you said, has only played 30 games. Like, sure, his, his future, what he's shown so far, is really good, but that's just been a small sample size for what he can do, opposed to Mitchell, Booker, and Tatum, who have been in the league for a few years and have showed that they can ball in the league, I think is a bit of a, I don't know. I, I, I did not like that at all. Um, but that's kind of my takeaway in that top 10. The rest, I kind of agree. I think Jamal Murray definitely should have cracked the top 10. Who are you 10. taking out? I'm a little, I'm a little, I would probably, let's see who we got here. My top 10. Okay, I got Shea moving to 11 and I had Ben Simmons moving to 10. That's, I think, the only difference here. And I had Jamal Murray in there, and I took out... No, that's it. Yeah, my, my, my top 10, I got Luka, Zion, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, LaMelo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Jamal Murray, Bam Adebayo, Ben Simmons. No, I like that. I like 10. how you put Devin Booker higher. I think he definitely needs to be higher. I want to say... I want to find a way to squeeze in Jalen Brown. I don't think... I don't think SGA. Fair. I don't really see the potential in SGA like a lot of people do. I think SGA is a decent player. I don't see superstar on him, and I see. I'm maybe with I, I could see a path, a weird alternate path, where Jalen Brown becomes a lesser version of Kawhi Leonard. Other than that, though. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, I, I no, I totally agree with you with that. I would move Jalen Brown up there. John Morant and Trey Young, yeah. I think, definitely have a higher ceiling than some of those guys. I actually like them a little bit better than Ben yeah, Simmons, yeah, to yeah. be honest. And and then Sabonis is another guy that was way down the list that I think could be moved. I don't know about top ten, but definitely higher in terms of maybe from eleven to fifteen. But that's yeah, kind of my that's a good on call. That. I think John Morant and Trey Young should definitely be ahead of Ben Simmons. Um, like I said, I, I like Ben Simmons a lot. But if we're going potential, he has so much. Like, he has a 6'10 guard. Like, if he gets a shot figured out or any sorts of offense figured out, it's like a wrap. But the thing is, is he's been in the league four years now, and his numbers are, like, identical to what they were when they came in the league. Dude hasn't improved. He hasn't gotten better. So, for that reason, I would knock him down. Let me ask you one thing, though. Yeah, if, no, for sure. Is there anybody? Go for is it. Is there anybody? Like, if you could take anybody, if, if there's somebody in the draft, I know you're a Jalen Suggs guy. Is there anybody on in the draft coming up that's on this list if they were in the NBA right now? <sighs> that's, a, that's a tough one. It's a loaded class, really. But I think 
two out of those top three that are listed to go in the top three, I think, have potential to make this list. When you look at Cade and Jalen Suggs, both of them fit the script of what you look for in this list of top 25. I think both of them are incredible guards. We saw what Cade did in the regular season, dropping 40 points in some of these games, right? And we saw the kind of clutch play that Jalen Suggs, we we talk a lot about having that dog in him. Jalen Suggs has got that dog in him. So those are two guys for me that I, I think, I know they're the obvious ones. I think if I had to look at the list, there's definitely probably a few more that could potentially crack this list. But those are the two pretty obvious ones to me maybe this might be a little far-fetched but i could see a guy like io maybe possibly cracking this list if he got to the right team yeah i mean kate like yeah i i can see those two definitely being on this list by next year definitely if you were to pick one dude and in, in, in the whole league not even on this list to start a team with who are you taking i'm taking luca in yes. the in the entire league or in this in, in this top league. 25 I I think I gotta be with you too. Luka Doncic is he's young. He can shoot from beyond the arc. He's amazing on the boards. Like he does yeah. everything. Like I can't even pick out one thing that he doesn't do. And that's why he's such an an elite talent for what he does. And that's something that you know Mavericks fans are very familiar with with Dirk Nowitzki. Right? He did a lot of those things. Except Luka, I feel like is better in the sense that I feel like he's faster and he's better on the board than he's better. On beyond the arc, I cannot. Dirk was pretty amazing beyond the arc too, but I, I feel like Luca has a, something just that's a little bit it, better. Bro. He's just got that than it. Dirk in a sense. Yes, yes, yeah. That's a, that's exactly what what I think I'm, I'm trying to get at here. But man, there's there's a lot to talk about in the NBA world, and especially heading into the NBA draft, which is still a few months away. But the NBA playoffs coming up should be a good one. Still a month to go, and a lot to figure out. Same goes for the NFL. A lot to get to there as the draft is just two weeks away. And of course, the news coming out today, the NFLPA has voted against in-person minicamp and for it to be virtual like last season. Of course, minicamp is supposed to be starting in the coming days. The Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks have both opted to have a fully virtual minicamp. What are your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I, I would rather have it in person. If I was a player, I think I would rather have it in person. And especially if I, as a Patriots fan, especially with that playbook, I would rather have it in person. Absolutely. I mean, when I first saw this, I'm like, you got to be joking. I'm like, with the amount of injuries that happened last year, there needs to be an in-person minicamp in, in, in an off season. But the only thing I would say here is, sure, obviously – you know, the health and safety of the players, this should be top priority, which is why I think they should try their best to get all of these players vaccinated as fast as they can. so They can go about their merry way. But having said that, I also do think that in the sense that, you know, with the virtual workouts and stuff, it's just, it's just not a good idea. Really. It's really not. I think they got to be in person. It just, it will help a lot of these younger guys develop too. So I'm totally against it. Yeah. Same here. It's like, same thing as a Zoom class to me. I mean, how many people just don't turn on their things and it fall is. asleep? Or It's not the same, man. You can't compare that. No, it's, it's not at all. And I think that's the other point there. I forgot my thought beforehand. But the other thing is that, you know, 
they've dealt with the pandemic before, right? It, it's been, it, the pandemic has been around now that you know how to deal with it. I feel like every league to some degree has been able to deal with it, right? And obviously everyone has had their bumps and bruises along the way, but it seems like every league has been able to figure out in some capacity how to go about the pandemic. So I'm thinking here, the NFL should know by now what they got to do, abide by all the yeah. protocols, you know, figure it out as a team, figure out, you know, what you got to do to be successful going forward. If you want, if you want to have healthy players and not spread the virus amongst the team, I think the pandemic has been around for long enough that as a team, as, as men, you should be able to figure it out on how to go about it. So I, I don't like this at all. And I don't think it's, it's thinking about, I get it. You're thinking about the players, health and safety, but I don't think they're thinking about the players in the sense that, you know, Last year's virtual workouts did not help any of these players at all, including a lot of these rookies. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see what happens. But I really hope that a lot of these teams get in the building and they get ready to go because the injuries, especially from a Niners fan perspective, good God, like the amount of injuries that we had, we really need this early workout and this offseason program. But speaking of the NFL offseason a lot of teams have won and lost, and there's been a lot of talk and, and rumors lately. So let's start with the winners, and we'll go into the losers here. So far, obviously, things can change come draft time. Who do you think has been a winner of the offseason thus far for you? Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise on what I'm going to say. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think they filled a whole bunch of needs on both sides of the ball. Got some receivers, some tight ends. I think uh, I think they did well. I think the tight ends, whatever, they kind of look like an overpaid. But in that offense, they're going to be the main receivers, and, and they're making less money than what the top receivers would. So it's a win for me. I like the way they did their offseason, and I'm looking forward to the draft for them. Yeah, for real. I definitely agree with that. I think the Patriots definitely made a good move by going on that shopping spree. Do I think they overpaid some of those guys? Yes, a little bit, but it'll be really interesting to see what Belichick does in the draft. I'm excited for it. As for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, any time that you manage, and I yeah. haven't seen this, and for yeah. a lot of teams that have made the Super Bowl, won it or lost it, you've at least at the bare minimum lost some guys the next year. The fact that Tampa Bay was able to retain pretty much everybody is, is unbelievable. What, what a job, Jason Light. I mean, I, I tip my cap to him. That's a heck of a job to retain all those guys that really they could have left. But again, back to Tom Brady, like I was talking about earlier, that's just the effect that he has on these guys. They're like, man, we got Tom Brady playing at an elite level on our side. Why the hell would we want to go anywhere when we could be playing for another Super Bowl next year? The Buccaneers, in my opinion, are the favorite to win the NFC again. I think until someone beats them, they're the favorite in the NFC. But, I mean, what the Bucs did was pretty amazing. But my winners, I'm going to go with my 49ers. What we were able to do was pretty amazing with retaining a lot of our guys. I think was pretty awesome. The only really main guys that we lost, I would say, was Richard Sherman. And he hasn't even signed with the team yet, which I think is mind-boggling. But I'm sure he'll figure something out eventually. But other than that, the Niners were able to retain Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Jason Verrett, Kwan Williams, some of those big-name guys. So I'm really excited from what they were able to do in the offseason. Washington, going out and getting Ryan Fitzpatrick, I really like that, obviously. You know, I think that they might use him for more than just seven games. You think that might change otherwise. And then there's the Arizona Cardinals, who obviously I do not like. 
But what they did in the offseason was pretty good. They go out and get one of the best centers in the league, Rodney Hudson. They go out and get J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive ends in the National Football League. They get Malcolm Butler, A.J. Green. A lot of these guys that I think, and then they went out and signed James Conner just today as well. So I really do like what the Cardinals are doing. I hate it as a 49ers fan, but you're loading up in my, oh my, if you were to tell me five years ago that there was going to be an offense with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and AJ Green, I'd be like, holy shoot. Like that is, that is a stacked offense. The only thing is I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury for a minute. The, the guy is a fool I don't think he's the right guy to be leading the Arizona Cardinals, but that's my opinion. And I'm not even just saying this as a 49ers fan, too. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with any of your your winners. I like what the Cardinals did. Um, J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, they added some vets to that squad, which is a pretty young team. But um, for my losers, I actually got the Jaguars and the Raiders, two teams that are always sort of in the mix for that award. Jaguars entered a free agency with, I think, the most cap room in the whole league at $70 million. And they didn't do anything. They, you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, and Urban Myers looks like he's going to take him. And this first move, he has a been in free agency, and he didn't do anything. And you're set with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, and you got to put pieces around him. You can't just roll with nothing, especially in the NFL. So... I thought they should have done a little more. I thought they had the opportunity to, and they didn't. But I guess that's why the Jaguars are the Jaguars, and that's why they've kind of been the laughing stock of the NFL for so long. Yeah, no. No, for real. Like, I I definitely agree with the Jacksonville point. I mean, they're really young. They're youthful. But, yeah, they could have went out and got a lot of spending money there too. But, you know, it is what it is. But finish your thought. Yeah, and then the Raiders. I know you've been bashing the Raiders for this whole offseason. And they got rid of Nelson Aguilar. They got rid of Trent Brown. They got rid of Gabe Jackson. So, yeah, they shredded their whole line And they're coming off a pretty disappointing season. They were good enough to make the playoffs last year. Could have made the playoffs last year. But disappointing end to the season. I know you're saying it's a big year for them and group. Whatever. And then they went out and they signed Kenyon Drake who is a decent player, but Josh Jacobs is amazing. He's really good, and that signing didn't make too much sense to me either. So I don't really get the moves that the Raiders made. I don't know what they're trying to go for. And, yeah, like you said, this is a big year for the Raiders, and they they need to make moves to have a good season. Yeah, for real. I mean, I've been bashing the Raiders for time now. I This is a huge year for John Gruden and and – the Raiders going into year four for them. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal for what the Raiders are trying to do. But, you know, I had the Philadelphia Eagles, Houston and Chicago as my losers for the off season. And, you know, Chicago, obviously we've talked about in the past with getting Andy Dalton, wasting the defense that they do. So, you know, I don't really know about that, what Chicago is trying to do there. As for the Texans, you know, I've talked about them enough. I don't really know what they're doing either, but, when we go to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles on this end, like, you know, they're not, they're just a hot mess as an organization and moving on from Carson Wentz, even though they said they were committed to Carson Wentz. And then they said they were committed to Doug Peterson as well. They fired him. They trade Carson Wentz and now they have Jalen Hurts. So I don't really know what direction as an organization, the Philadelphia Eagles are going. And it mirrors a lot of what the 49ers were back in 2015. 
Yeah, and I like Jalen Hurts too. I think Jalen Hurts has a lot of potential. And to go from a team that was in the, just won the Super Bowl just a couple years ago with all that was going on, they had their backup quarterback in. It looked like a really set structure, and everybody was organized and knew what their role was. And now it's just a, it's a dumpster fire in Philly. Yeah, for real. I really like Jalen Hurts too. I loved him in Alabama and Oklahoma. And, you know, I feel like it might be one of those things where he might need a fresh start somewhere, but it's unfortunate because when you look at, you know, the playing field of quarterbacks in the National Football League, I don't really see, especially with a really good class coming in too, a lot of these teams are going to fill that void. You know, I, I, it looks like Jalen Hurts, you know, if he doesn't get his opportunity in Philadelphia, that he might end up as a journeyman backup. And I hate that because the kid has an incredible talent. And I hope Philadelphia actually uses him and values him as a starting quarterback. And I just don't know if that's possible, especially after what they did with Carson Wentz. I thought for sure they were going to have Carson Wentz going into next season and he was the future. And then boom, they ship him out to Indianapolis. I was like, oh, wow. So after all that talk about Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, and he's our guy, you know, and then you just ship him out. But I think for Carson Wentz, that was the right thing. I think he needed a fresh start. I think reuniting him with Frank Reich is exactly what he needed. So I think that really worked out for Indianapolis and Carson Wentz. I don't know about Philadelphia though, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Two weeks to go until the draft. Things should be getting pretty good. And the rumors should start heating up in the next two weeks ahead of the NFL draft. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter as we got a lot more content coming your way. B, any last thoughts? Oh, man, that's it. What a great episode. Stay tuned for more. Our IG and our Twitter. We'll see you soon. 100%. Anyways, that's it for us. Keep it locked. Give us a follow on the socials, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked because we got a lot more content coming your way. And of course, don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.